Hey everyone, it's Iman with a quick preface. Carla and I recorded this episode of Screensaver an hour after seeing Jurassic World, which means a couple things. First, we didn't have time to prepare our fancy sound studio, a blanket over the pair of us. And second, we repeatedly referred to Bryce Dallas Howard as Bryce Dylan Howard. Why, I'll never know but we're sorry, BDH. All right, let's get started. It's not about control. Stand down. It's a relationship. Based on respect. Hi, everyone. I'm Carla. And I'm Iman. And you're listening to Screensaver. In today's episode, we're going to be discussing the new Jurassic Park movie, Jurassic World. Just as a quick warning to start things off, I think it's going to be pretty difficult for us to talk about this movie without giving any spoilers. So if you haven't seen it yet and you are expecting you will, hold off on listening to this until afterwards because there will be spoilers. All right, I'm going to chime in with some plot talk. Uh, for anyone out there that hasn't seen a trailer and isn't planning on watching this, um, the movie is, like Carla said, a continuation of the Jurassic Park franchise. The two characters that we're really following for a lot of this film are a pair of brothers that are visiting their aunt, who's played by Bryce Dylan Howard. Um, her character's name is Claire. And she basically manages the whole park. Yeah. Things get out of hand. Things get out of hand pretty quickly, as Chaos you would imagine. Ensues. Yeah, and um, Chris Pratt plays a character uh, named Owen, who is kind of like an animal handler that works at the park. That's about all you need to know in terms of plot. Um, there's a lot we want to talk about, so we're going to jump right in. We're going to start broad, talking about the themes that the movie touches on. We're going to dive into characters, then give our shout-outs, and end with rating the movie. Alright, one of the major themes was basically that of nature's supremacy over man, science, war, basically any aspect of civilization. This was the movie's thesis from the second it started to the end. And something that I found pretty interesting was the notion of control in this movie. Mm -hmm. It, It was definitely a buzzword. Most of the characters... From the beginning, when we had Bryce Dillon characters or Bryce Dillon Howard's character Claire saying um, how everything had to be under control, and then you'd get some slight pushback from other characters saying, "Yeah, oh, and uh, Chris Pratt's character kept going on about how you can't control these animals; they're wild, and they're gonna act according to instinct." Yeah. Definitely. So I think that um, that was probably the underlying argument of the movie, that nature can't be controlled, that we shouldn't be genetically modifying it. And it's nothing we haven't really heard before, even within the Jurassic Park franchise. Before I relate it back to the the Jurassic Park book, which I've read and want to talk about, I just want to say that this movie, I didn't know that much about it going into it, but there is a lot of monster versus monster action. Where we see, uh, I mean, again, spoiler, at the end of the movie, uh, you see this genetically modified or genetically engineered... Like a hybrid dinosaur. Hybrid dinosaur 
get taken down by a T-Rex and a raptor. And that felt so Godzilla to me. Um, for those of you that haven't seen the latest Godzilla movie, it ends with Godzilla taking down this other monster and everyone hailing Godzilla, and then he returns to nature. It's It just felt very reminiscent of that, especially since there were a lot of characters in the Godzilla movie that were also saying, like, nature is not a force that we can control, or we shouldn't be attacking it. Um... But yeah, I mean that that was that was definitely prominent in Godzilla and like I had mentioned before, it was also prominent in the Jurassic Park book, the original Michael Crichton book. Um you, you read that recently, right? Yeah, I I did read it recently and I really enjoyed it. I definitely recommend that book to anyone who's even vaguely a fan of the original Jurassic Park movie. Yeah, apparently it's really easy to find the audiobook on YouTube. Yeah, I mean that that was how I had read it, and you were in the room when I was listening to it without headphones sometimes. It's it's a great book. But, um, yeah, I think there were definitely themes in that book that hadn't been originally explored in the Jurassic Park movie, namely um, the corporate greed inherent to biotech companies. Um, in the book that was treated with, I mean, it was given a lot of attention, and it seems like this movie, Jurassic World, seemed to be... Playing into that again, especially with a character like Dr. Henry Wu, um, he... Who was in the original movie, He was in the original movie, yeah, there was... Played by the same actor. Right, there's um, an actor in the original movie that was kind of just like a lab tech, he's... Don't know the actor's name. He was in... He was in Awake. Yeah, the show Awake. The show with Jason Isaacs, another good show that I would definitely recommend. But anyway, um... Yeah, so it it was definitely cool to see some shout-outs to, to the book. It seemed like there was a lot of fan service in this movie, too, that we'll touch on more later, but... Yeah, you mentioned there were pterodactyls in the yeah. book, and they weren't in the Jurassic Park yep, movie. Yep, there was, like, an aviary, and this was in that movie, in, in Jurassic World. So it, it seems like they were definitely pulling from the bigger uh, Jurassic Park franchise. Um, but, yeah, it's 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 main takeaway moral was pretty obvious or expected. Um, There were some other critiques that sort of can't be unseen, I guess you could say. Uh, One that came to my mind while I was watching was just an overall theme park critique or any uh, park or zoo where you have wild animals in captivity Recently, you know, that documentary Blackfish came out where it was critiquing SeaWorld. And I felt like there was, you know, not so subtle commentary about that in this movie, too. In one scene in particular, you see little kids riding on baby stegosaurus's backs. It It was supposed to mimic a petting zoo, and it just looked really cruel the way they yeah. were the they the way they shot this scene i don't know if they were babies or just genetically modified but there was also that scene where you see like a little kid run up to a, a brontosaurus that was about his height so it must have been pretty short and he like just runs up and hugs it yeah it's it just hugs its neck it felt like they were supposed to be very heartwarming scenes where, like, look at these little kids connecting to these ancient dinosaurs. But, but it just looked so unnatural. Yeah, like, look at this little kid, like, giving a chokehold to a brontosaurus. It just, it, yeah, it was definitely hard to unsee. I mean, said. and like we said, 
in the first Jurassic Park movie, the distance between the the visitors and the dinosaurs was a lot more distinct. In this one, people were way more hands-on, and it just looked really uh, unsettling, I guess you could yeah, say. Yeah, definitely. And I think, um, just really quickly to add... Um, you were talking about the distance between the the visitors and the dinosaurs. I think that that was something that actually really helped the first movie in creating that sense of wonder. Um, in the sense that the big unveiling in the original Jurassic Park movie was finally getting to see the dinosaurs and really having that sort of childlike wonder of there getting to see them. There was a lot of build them. up to that yeah. scene where Alan takes yeah. off his sunglasses yep. when he's on the Jeep and he looks at the brontosauruses for the first time exactly. and just looks like a little boy. Exactly. Um, it felt like he was living out his childhood dreams. And in this one, we actually see it wasn't just a dream, it's a reality, and it was disturbing. I think something that was actually really strong in the first movie and pretty strong in this one as well was actually the score. And I think that um, in the first Jurassic Park movie, we get we get that score really heavily, like to evoking that sense of wonder in the scene where it, it's Alan seeing the Brontosaurus. In this movie, it's when we get the helicopter shots of the park itself. So it kind of seems like we've replaced the childlike wonder of getting to see a dinosaur for the first time with the childlike wonder of getting to just see a place like Disneyland. Yeah, it looked huge, and it looked like a resort. While it was trying to kind of celebrate it in a sense, it was definitely criticizing it. And I think something else that we caught ourselves talking about when we walked out of the movie was just the death toll. Yeah, that... And the way people died in this movie. That really took me off guard. You see people getting brutally maimed or eaten where there's blood blood spatter on the, the camera lens... It and it's insane. pretty graphic. In the original Jurassic Park movie, I mean, I hate to keep comparing it to the original. Um, yeah, but I feel like that's inevitable with this movie. True, true. But I think um, in the original, you would see, if someone was getting killed, you'd maybe see, like, the perspective from the, the person on the ground, and then you see the mouth come at you, and then the scene goes black. In this movie, there is a scene where... Uh, the two boys that we had said were following for much of the movie, they get this this nanny. Um, a British nanny. A British nanny. Yeah. She, in a pterodactyl scene, she gets attacked and she gets lifted into the air. And then we're following her. And I thought, okay, this means that for sure she's going to survive because she we're following her. She dunked underwater about three times. And I thought there's no way she's going to actually die. We've spent maybe three minutes on screen with her. Maybe not that much. Okay, fine. Maybe a full minute. But still, we see her get dunked, dr- like start half drowned, all this stuff. And then we just see this giant like whale swallow her. Yep. And the pterodactyl. Yeah. It was just the way people died was so gruesome. Um, There was also scenes where, yeah, just a lot of characters. I feel like it was kind of sloppy storytelling in the sense that, or maybe sloppy editing. I don't know what I would call it, but it just felt like there would be characters introduced that it would seem like, okay, this is somebody that we're going to get to know. This is someone that we're going to get to watch for a while. And then within five, like, within five minutes, they'd be dead. It that happened with a lot of officers, it, too. It definitely added to the shock factor of the movie. But 
Going back to the theme park critique, I felt like the death toll itself and the way it was so graphic in mm. terms of the killing of the park attendees was almost a criticism in itself where it wasn't only sort of critiquing biotech's corporate greed, but it was also punishing the attendees of the park itself. Yeah, I mean, I think this is <laughs> this is our very generous read, saying that the movie is doing this intentionally to try to drive in its overarching thesis. But no, I definitely do think that there was a sense of the fact that, or at least it's an interesting reflection, the fact that the at- attendees were also punished. It wasn't just, um, what did you call him, man boobs gee. Oh, yeah. There's His a, name is Hoskins. He's sort of the main villain in the movie. Yeah, he's trying to um, get the military to kind of buy the raptors to use them as weapons. And he 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 gets his end, uh, like a lot of characters in this movie. But yeah, it, it wasn't just those characters getting punished. It was also the people that were just contributing to the park with attendance. Yeah. Speaking of characters, um, there was a lot of buzz surrounding this movie. It's casting, particularly Chris Pratt as Owen, who was the main character. And, um, well, well how, do, like, how do we feel about Chris Pratt? In this I movie? feel like this was the first movie that uh, Chris Pratt was headlining in, where going into it, we had high expectations of what he would be doing because he's no longer the the somewhat unknown or somewhat quirky selection. Andy Dwyer. Yeah. At this point, he's already had a, a comic book franchise movie dedicated to him Guardian with Guardians of the, of the Galaxy. And going into it, we get the sense that he wants to be... Um, a new Harrison Ford, maybe? A new Harrison Ford, kind of the the rebel, hero, um, sort of type character. Yeah, and I, I mean, I definitely get that. We know that he had, like, trained for this role and all this stuff. But coming out of the movie, I couldn't help asking, like, did we really get, like, full Pratt in this movie? I mean, the, not to typecast him. Maybe I'm guilty of that myself. But he didn't really feel like he was all that fleshed out to me. I don't well, know. I feel like none of the characters... I mean, character development in general was pretty poor for this movie overall, not just Chris Pratt's character. But I did get the sense that he could have been funnier than he was in the movie. But then again, I wasn't sure if he's supposed to be a funny character, if he's supposed to be more of the hero type. Yeah, it definitely felt like they hadn't really decided if they wanted him to be a Chris Pratt, Guardians of the Galaxy type Star-Lord hero, or if they wanted him to just be Harrison Ford, to be playing it super straight and just be a pretty, like, manly, macho-looking guy. He was much much more macho than I was expecting, especially when he grabs Bryce Dylan Howard and just... Lays Plants on, her. on her. Yeah, I. God, I'm gonna talk about that in a second. But yeah, I definitely think that just in terms of character development, this movie wasn't there. And I, I feel, I'm sure this movie is going to do phenomenally in the box office, and that Chris Pratt's going to have plenty of roles afterwards. I just, 
wish it would have been, I wish he would have had a little more to work with. Would you recast him? I mean, would you, is there someone else you could have pictured who would have done a better job with this role? I don't think I would have wished this role upon anyone else. Like, I, I know that it'll kind of be his shot to, like, getting more uh, big, big, box fr- yeah, big box office roles. And, I mean, I love Chris Pratt, so I'm really happy about that. But part of me felt like it really could have been anyone. Nothing about it really seemed to be capitalizing on, like, that particular Chris Pratt charm. Yeah, he could have been more charming. Yeah, I think he was just a little bit too much of a, I don't want to know, I don't know if I want to call it a jock or what, but I mean, of course, this is kind of a matter of taste. Um, But maybe it was just like mass appeal. He was, yeah, he was a good hero character. And I mean, there's a line in the movie where uh, two of the kids tell uh, Claire, Bryce Dylan Howard's character, um, like, oh, your boyfriend's a badass. And she just kind of smirks. Yeah. <laughs> well, Claire. tell me more about Claire, Claire, because I know you had a lot of feelings about her. There's one point in this movie where I just, I literally threw my hands up, turned to Carla, and said, I'm done. This character is initially introduced as a really typical, high strung, type A, career oriented woman. And the movie, it seems like it took great pains to depict that type of personality as something incredibly negative. I found her at the beginning of the movie to be so unlikable. She comes out in this, like, starched white top and skirt and heels, and she's just, she gets on a helicopter and she's just talking about marketing and audience demands and how we're uh, just full profit margin. She had absolutely no character at the beginning of the movie. And when her nephews, who are the uh, the two young kids that are exploring the park, get dropped off, she has a nanny waiting for them because she doesn't have time to take off her job. Throughout so much of the movie, this, like I said, this, so she has this type A personality that's really unlikable for me. I mean, how did you feel? Yeah, I mean... Especially contrasting her character to her sister, the the mother of the two boys, who was very warm and very, you know, touchy-feely and, and was hugging the boys yeah. and giving them a tearful goodbye as they were going to go visit their aunt for the next week. Yeah, they... Um, it- it it showed it depicted them almost as opposites. Yeah, I mean it's it's the career sister and the mom sister, and I mean I I really hated her at the beginning of the movie, and part of me was like, okay, well, I mean she at least she's good at her job, but at the at the end of the day, her being good at that job, which was as like a, a director basically of this park was a really negative thing. I mean that job was sacrificing elements of her femininity I mean, and that then the. Was she really that good at it if the whole park fell Yeah, apart? yeah, sure. <laughs> Great point. But no, I mean, at least, fine, she cared about her job yeah. a lot. I think, yeah. yeah. <laughs> she cared about her job a lot. It, it just seemed like the movie was critiquing her for sacrificing other elements of her femininity for this job. Namely, the fact that she was not warm at all. When one of the boys runs up and hugs her, she says something like, oh, 
you're sweet and just has this pained expression like, oh, I, I can't even hug my nephew because I have a call on the other line. And then later on, Owen sort of makes a comment like, oh, you don't even know how old your nephews are? Like, what kind of monster? Are you? He yeah. doesn't say that. But, but it, yeah. the movie treats her like exactly cold, callous. And there's also woman. another scene where um, she meets, she has her first screen time with Owen and very sloppily they they just kind of slap together this backstory for them where he says something like oh that's why we never went on a second date and she's like oh well you smell bad yeah it it was Do you just think they had any chemistry no yeah completely neither. lacking in chemistry the actors it just it was superman amy adams and henry cavill level of lack of chemistry and that is low yeah, that's a low blow. It's a low blow from my end. But anyway, I think that uh, the movie, like, it had this, and okay, sure, so she's just kind of this character, whatever. The fact that the there movie... There was a turning point with her character, though. Right. There was a turning point with her character where she starts to become a lot warmer and more maternal when she realizes that her nephews are in danger. But the way that the movie glorified this turning point really got under my skin. Um, there's one point where she finally, I, I mean, I kept thinking, why is this lady in heels the entire movie? She's running through the jungle in this pair of heels. And, um, I, even Chris, like Pratt's character, Owen kind of says like, oh, you're going to have to get rid of your stupid shoes. And she opens up her shirt and like strips down to her tank top and rolls up her, her, the sleeves of her overshirt. And she's like, well, I'm ready to go. It just felt it felt really dumb to me, but yeah, the the way that the movie was celebrating her her uh, progressive development as this more maternal character, as uh, this character that was maybe a little bit more rough and tough. I mean, the maternal part. I'm thinking, okay, sure, it's a trope, but the rough and tough part. I thought, okay, cool. So. She's being really tough, and she has like she has a gun. There's one point where she rescues Owen's character, which I thought was so cool. And the second she like shoots a pterodactyl off him, and I thought like cool, and she's still in her heels. Like man, yes, strong lady. The second that Owen pushes the pterodactyl carcass off his body, he jumps up and kisses her on the lips. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> It it felt really forced. It felt forced. I think, yeah, I think my critique isn't even, like, as a feminist, I found issue with this. I think my critique was more just, as a moviegoer, none of this made sense. Yeah. It was also forced. I mean, speaking as a feminist and a person of color, I do want to give a shout out to the fact that there was an, I didn't take the time to look into where the actor is from, but there was a black character, Barry, um, who was, like, didn't die at the end of the movie, which was really cool. And then there was um, their billionaire who was kind of replacing the uh, John Hammond character from Jurassic Park, who was kind of like the benevolent billionaire that was funding the whole park. Who was very like, oh, just enjoy it. Like, this is great. Look at how wonderful this park is. That was kind of replaced in this movie with a character named Simon Maserani, um, who is, I believe the actor is Indian. He was in The Namesake. That's all I know him from. 
But, um, yeah, he was pretty great. I know Carla liked him. Yeah, and um, he... I mean, I think to have a billionaire Indian character rather than just putting a lab coat on him and making him a doctor was, you know, yeah. different. He yeah. could have been typecast. Hashtag progress. Yeah, in that sense, too. <laughs> um, we have a few other shout-outs that we wanted to just, like, go down the list. Yeah, I think with a movie like this, we we do just have to kind of list them out at this point but um because i mean there were issues with it but there were a lot of just really fun moments there was a lot of would just fun out loud fun summer movie sort of feels so i'll I'll let you i'll let you take Um, it off what was our first shout out all right first we gotta do a shout out to british nannies (laughs) Yeah, there was, uh, we mentioned her before because of her protracted death scene, but, um, yeah, there was a scene where Claire says something like, oh, yeah, I sent a nanny, and she's British, so she must be good. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, sure, random, but shout out to British nannies and their their stereotype. Competency or yeah, I think I think this movie that was one st- one female stereotype that was most definitely shattered. They are terrible nannies. She yeah, lost them. She within lost like- the two boys, uh, Gray and Zach, within like the first thirty minutes of the film. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What's next for you? Um, I mentioned them before, but man, Claire's shoes, her, those little high heels, they took a beating. Right, so, shout out to the shoe so manufacturer. Sh- yep, shout out to whatever shoe manufacturer made those little character shoes. But yeah. Um, next, Jake Johnson turns up in this movie. I mean, we're a big fan of his character Nick in New Girl, and he kind of played a Nick-like character. He was a bit of a hipster, a bit of a... Sort of, I don't know, would you say he was similar to the character in uh, Jurassic Park, Malcolm? Uh, Yeah, he felt a lot like Dr. Ian Malcolm, but I think um, I was talking about this off mic with Carla earlier. Um, It's actually an interesting statement on where computers and computer competency is nowadays as uh, as opposed to Jurassic the Jurassic Park movie where the programmer in that movie is nor like Norman or, or well, Newman Newman from, Newman from uh from Seinfeld yeah and in the movie he's depicted as kind of this like very dorky chubby guy that's just like ah oh, man yeah. a bumbling idiot yeah, I mean, not I mean, a genius hacker, but terrible person. Um, and yeah, so that was kind of like the stereotypical depiction of of a computer geek back then. And now we get this kind of like hipster looking hipster. Jake Johnson. Yeah, he was wearing uh, like Malcolm X glasses. Yeah, they look that very good on him. everyone. But yeah, he and he, um, was, he was also wearing. Uh, shout out to his Jurassic vintage Jurassic Park shirt that <laughs> he claimed cost him a hundred dollars on eBay, but it looks just like any ten dollar t shirt you can get at Target. Yeah, totally. But um, but yeah, good he, but good fashion choices for him. Totally, and he did kind of feel like Ian Malcolm, who was played. He that's um Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum's character in in the original Jurassic Park. But yeah, man, next shout out. 
disposable film cameras. I did not know these things still existed. Apparently in, in Costa Rica. Apparently in Isla Nublar, they still do because the little kid, Gray, I think, this little kid was just like running around the park shooting pictures of everything with this little disposable camera and like winding back the the film uh to take the next picture and I was just a like, lot of sound effects with that camera a lot of sound effects with that camera but yeah shout out to phone cameras i mean it made me really want to go out and get one but i don't know <laughs> if i can um also shout out to uh we talked about simon masrani in this movie a little bit he's he's that billionaire who basically owns the park yeah. He was so confident in his helicopter steering or maneuvering skills, yeah, even just, though he was totally incompetent just, with the one. Just some background. In the opening scene of the movie, he is actually the helicopter pilot that's taking um, Claire around the park. And yeah, he was very confident. He even was though, confident, even though he still... Didn't completely finish yeah, his yeah, training. Two, two tests left. But he was confident to the point where he decided to take up the guns and save the park himself. So, shout-outs to him. Yeah, and the pterodactyls that eventually took him down. <laughs> um, yeah, also, something I found somewhat... I, I guess this is more of an in-memoriam than a shout-out, but there was this one scene in the movie where a bunch of soldiers just start dying because the... The genetically, like, the hybrid dinosaur starts killing them. And there's this Hunger Games-esque scene where you just see, like, their lifelines turn like into... a screen on the wall with all their pictures and yeah, their heartbeats. It goes flat. And I, they had their little names and pictures next to them, and I, I couldn't help thinking of of uh, how proud the parents of those, those actors must feel. <laughs> oh, yeah, poor guys. Yeah. Um, shout out to Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. For making probably the best cameo in this movie. Hands down. He, uh, shows up as the kids are getting into this, like, hamster wheel looking, or hamster ball looking ride. Yeah, the equivalent of what the, what the Jeeps were in. In the first movie. There's a little video screen where Jimmy Fallon is basically giving them the instructions on what not to do and assuring them that the the little cart was entirely safe. And he was so quintessentially Jimmy Fallon. It yeah. was really fun to watch. Yeah, he was just like, hi, I'm Jimmy Fallon, and I'm in a lab coat. <laughs> yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, that was the best. And then the very best for last. What's our last shout-out, Iman? Last and absolute best shout out. Shout out to the guy who during this scene of total chaos when pterodactyls are descending upon the park. They're just like shooting into glass buildings and there's debris floating everywhere. Yeah, there's this guy in the bottom left of the screen that grabs two martinis. He's in a restaurant. He's in a restaurant. He grabs his two martinis and just kind of ducks. One in each hand. One in each hand and starts kind of like squat walking away (laughs) to make sure he doesn't spill them. And I don't think he spilled those martinis. Shout out to that guy's martini carrying abilities. <laughs> oh my gosh. That that made the movie for me. Aside, yeah. 
Apart from the spit take I did when Jimmy Fallon showed up, um, yeah, God, that guy. And I mean, we are sort of just ragging on all these like ridiculous things that are going on or that happened in this movie, but I think we have to give one big shout out to just the the nostalgia that was in this movie. For sure. The first time we hear the you know the theme music of Jurassic Park come on you I mean your heart gives a little flutter because it's yeah, John it, Williams come on yeah I mean it's just great to see that or to hear that and then to see um there was a scene where they actually they essentially go back to the old decrepit site that was the yeah, there's the a, old Jurassic Park. There's a scene where they basically visit the set of the old Jurassic Park, and you see them kind of going into where they used to have the the fossils set up with the banner that said "Welcome to Jurassic Park." The one that artfully flo- like floated down to the yeah. ground. Epic, uh, epic graphics back for back then. So you you see the two the two boys in this movie sort of pick that up, and then. Uh, they actually find the old Jeeps, and they say, oh, this is a 1992 Jeep, I yeah. do whatever the it, model it is. It felt like a really fun addition to the movie for um, anyone like ourselves that had seen and loved the first movie and was coming back to watch this one and really watching it because they wanted to buy into that franchise. Um, yeah, I think bottom line, if, I if think that's... It, a universe you miss and want to go back and visit, this is a movie that you're you're going to like. You're going to have fun with it no matter what. Yeah, definitely. And I think um, I, was, I was telling Carlo, today is probably, uh, I mean, personal note, I'm graduating on Sunday. And this was the first movie that really made me feel like this is summer. It's a summer movie. Yeah, it feels like all-in summer movie, and even though um, even though I feel like this movie was probably oriented more towards a younger audience, um, one last note, the raptor name's kind of dumb. Yeah. It was like blue and echo, very early 90s vibe, as Carla. Er, no, or, early, early 2000s. 2000s. Excuse me, early aughts. Um, yeah, it feels like it was definitely je- like aimed towards a younger audience, but if you're going as an adult that just wants to indulge in like some nostalgia, yeah, go for it. If you're just going for a disaster movie with monsters in it, I'd probably recommend maybe Godzilla. I'm I'm sure there are movies out there that do character development and themes in a much subtler way, but I mean all in all, what would you rate this movie? I rate this movie 6.5 out of 10 unspilled martinis. <laughs> I'm going to give it 7 out of 10 Jimmy Fallon's in lab coats. <laughs> okay. All right, guys. So there you have it. That's our Jurassic World review. You are listening to Screensaver. We'll see you next time. Great. Bye. Bye.